Is it time for a mind shift? If you don't know what that means, then join your host, Dr. Clint Haycock, a former evangelical Christian pastor and Bible college teacher of over 20 years, along the journey of deconstruction and reconstruction of faith, life, religion, and spirituality. Hey everyone, welcome to this brand new first episode of my new series that I'm launching here in 2021 called Profiles of the Christian Right. I reached out to Mark Potok to cover the topic of Doug Wilson for the very first episode. Who is Mark? He is, I'm reading from his website now, he's an internationally renowned expert on the American radical right who for 20 years helped lead the legendary Southern Poverty Law Center in exposing hate groups, right-wing terrorism, and the rapidly increasing infiltration of extremist ideas into the political mainstream. And then after 20 years at the SPLC, he joined the Center for Analysis of the Radical Right as a senior fellow. And I reached out to Mark because I wanted to talk about Doug Wilson, a sort of famous, or I should say infamous, Reconstructionist-style pastor who runs a very large cult-like church and a Bible college and a ministry training center and a publishing house, and he's got all sorts of things. Basically, he's built himself an empire up in Moscow, Idaho. And so I wanted to reach out to Mark because he's an expert on the radical right as well as the Christian right, and he's done a lot of research and writing on Doug Wilson. So I am super excited to finally be bringing you this first episode of this new series. In fact, I've had people message me saying, when's this episode on Doug Wilson going to come out? I was talking about it as far back as December of 2020. So I finally got a chance now to edit it and bring you this first inaugural episode. And what's really cool is I've already got several people already lined up that I'm going to be talking to this year for this series. I've been in discussions with Catherine Stewart, who's the author of The Good News Club, as well as The Power Worshippers. We're going to do a recording sometime in early February, and I'm really excited to be talking to Catherine again. She's been on this show two times before. Also, I've been chatting with Peter Montgomery of The Right Wing Watch. We're making this a regular series. We're doing at least one episode a month on my YouTube channel, so go over there, check that out. Please subscribe to that. I've also got another episode that I just did with Mark Potok the other day. And we talked about the Christian identity movement, which is basically the theology, the philosophy that undergirds a lot of white supremacist militia groups in America. And that's very prescient right now, especially given what happened with the Capitol riots and the various militias. So that is an absolutely fascinating discussion as well with Mark. And I'm going to be talking with Mark again. So again, subscribe to the YouTube channel because there's a lot of really good content that's just going straight up on YouTube. I've got so many episodes in the queue actually recorded already with people I've talked to that I can't get them out fast enough, which is a good problem to have, I guess. So I'm doing a lot of more live videos on YouTube and then just uploading them there so you can watch our chat with Peter Montgomery as well as with Mark Potok. And I will say just before we get into the chat with Mark that we recorded this episode back in December of 2020. And again, so much has changed, but nothing's changed as far as Doug Wilson. And so we're going to take a deep dive into what's going on with Doug Wilson, the Reconstructionist pastor out of Moscow, Idaho. So let's get into the chat, this inaugural episode of Profiles of the Christian Right with Mark Potok as we take a very close look at Doug Wilson. happy to welcome Mark Potok to Mindship Podcast. 
we've been talking a little bit. I've been researching your work. You are a former senior fellow, is that correct, at the Southern Poverty Law Center and an expert on the religious right. So I'm really interested to talk to you, particularly about Doug Wilson, but I'm sure we'll get into some other topics as we talk about the Christian right. So welcome, Mark. Well, thanks so much for having me. I should say, you know, I'm no theologian. And to say I'm an expert on the on the Christian right is more or less true. Uh, you know, really, my specialty has been the radical right overall. And of course, there's a lot of theology involved in the radical right in the United States. That there is. So you worked at the SPLC for how many years were you there then? For 20 years, I had a variety of jobs that, you know, they were essentially all leadership jobs. I was senior fellow there for many years. I was the director of the Intelligence Project. I also edited, actually created and edited uh, their investigative magazine, The Intelligence Report. Mm-hmm. So, so and you- I used to do an awful lot of public uh, speaking for the center, both to reporters and journalists and also in kind of, you know, more lecture settings. So was it a case of you were researching the radical right and that led you, as you say, into the Christian right? Because there's obviously an overlap. We're seeing that, especially now, aren't we, with the Christian evangelical Trump support, as well as the alt-right, for example? I I mean, yeah, I guess it was, uh, you you know, I started out years and years and years ago uh, interested in in the kind of uh, skinhead world. Uh, but, you know, you start to look at the radical right and you're very quickly into some very strange theologies, quite apart from the more mainstream Christian right. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, I had to learn things I had never read about before uh, when I got into Christian identity and British Israelism and Christian Reconstruction and, you know, World Church of the Creator, these very bizarre uh, theological movements. How is it spilling over into the Christian right just generally? Because, for example, I talked with Peter Montgomery the other day from the Right Wing Watch, and we discussed the recent Jericho march in Washington, D.C. Now, what you had there was sort of a mainstream evangelical charismatic, but you also had Catholics, you had Messianic Jews, and then all of a sudden you had Alex Jones, as well as a guy from the Oath Keepers speaking at what was supposedly a faith rally for Trump. You know, so that seems to me like we're seeing this this overlap increasingly between the radical right, far right militias, the conspiracy theorists and Christians and other people of faith. I think that's true. I think that's a fact. You know, some of these uh, really radical theologies do grow in part out of uh, fairly mainstream strands uh, in Christianity. So, you know, we talk about Christian Reconstructionism in a sense, uh, it's an offshoot of uh, Dominionism in general. The idea that, you know, man should have dominion or Christian uh, Mm -hmm. man should have dominion over the earth and and so on. And the implication being, uh, as you get into Christian Reconstruction, that Christian uh, ideologues, whatever you want to call them, patriarchs should run the society in every detail. But, you know, there are many aspects of this. I mean, uh, I spent a lot of time looking at the Christian right uh, through the lens of its attitudes uh, towards homosexuality uh, and kinds of related issues. So, you know, and that I would say doesn't, so there's overlap, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. Virtually the entire radical right looks with uh, contempt uh, at LGBTQ people. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the aspects of that was how incredibly mainstream uh, some of the Christian right is, despite being really vicious. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm talking about organizations like the Family Research Council, the American Family Associations, which are wealthy, 
uh, in the case of the AFA, uh, owned something like 200 radio stations. You know, I mean, when I looked at organizations like American Family Association, Family Research Council, they didn't really have their uh, roots or much overlap uh, in particularly radical theology or, or these bizarre theologies of the extreme right. Uh, but they had, uh, in a sense, you could argue, abandoned uh, any kind of real Christian impulses uh, in order to do their very best to defame uh, in really disgusting ways, uh, in particular, gay men. So, you know, the kind of the central lie of that part of the Christian right uh, was the idea that gay men molest children. Uh, mm, you know, yeah. Huge rates, vastly higher uh, than straight men. And, you know, that turns out to be utterly false. Mm-hmm. So in any case, I've, I've had contact uh, with quite different parts of the Christian world uh, at various times and have actually uh, attended and even spoken at a conference or two along those lines. What got me into it was Christian Reconstructionism. So that's how I came into it. I started studying R.J. Rushdoony and the Dominion Theology piece, as you say, Wonder too, how much of that is his own theology? Of course, he was advocating for death penalty for homosexuals, as well as other biblical categories, I guess you could say, incorrigible teens and women who'd lost their virginity before marriage and so on and so forth. Is that how much of that plays into what you're just describing with the Christian right? How much are they like, for example, the Family Research Council or the ADF? Because I believe they wrote a book, was it the president of the ADF, the homosexual agenda? Or something like that. It was exactly that line that you just articulated. Well, there are a lot. There's a lot of overlap in that sense. Of course, mm-hmm. uh, you know the more mainstream Christian right organizations and thinkers, you know, aren't into the idea of literally imposing Old Testament law on the United States or whatever other country uh, they might be thinking about out there. So, but the defamation and, and uh, kind of degradation of gay people in particular is obviously a commonality. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, there's common threads. Let's get into this guy, Doug Wilson. I read an article that you wrote in 2004 talking about a big rally that they held in, I believe it was in, was it in Idaho or near, um, near he's from Moscow, Idaho. Moscow, that's his, Idaho, where the University his area. of Washington is. Yeah. I'm sorry, and, the University of Idaho. Yeah, and it was off the back of this book that he had written along with a guy called Stephen Wilkins, and they wrote a book called Southern Slavery as it was. And this was a this obviously came into a huge firestorm, wasn't it? They were gonna have a talk for this book and it just blew up, didn't it? And your article comes off the back of that. So what can you tell us about Doug Wilson? Yes. I mean, I had never heard of uh, Doug Wilson and no one at the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center knew about him really at all uh, until this moment uh, in 2003. Uh, Wilson was uh, holding uh, a history conference, uh, as it turns out, he had been doing for a number of years uh, in concert with Steve Wilkins, who's uh, out of Monroe, Louisiana, and runs a kind of Calvinist ministry down there. Mm -hmm. You know, it was quite amazing because the first sign, uh, the first thing that really made all this public were a series of anonymously distributed pamphlets that appeared all over the campus of University of Idaho uh, in Moscow, Idaho. And what they contained, you know, started out uh, these pamphlets saying uh, these two people, uh, Steve Wilkins and uh, Doug Wilson, are going to be here on such and such a date to talk about their book uh, and their research. Uh, and they are the co-authors uh, of a book written a few years earlier called, as you said, Southern Slavery as It Was. Uh, and then these pamphlets contained these 
absolutely amazing uh, excerpts talking about slavery. Uh, you know, they said that, and this is just from memory, but, you know, slavery was a relationship based on uh, friendship and mutual affection. Uh, and it went on from there to make some just incredible claims. You know, slaves had it so, you know, the life of slaves was a life of plenty of simple pleasures. Uh, you know, they talked about how uh, slaves really didn't have all that much work to do. So they do two or three or four days work uh, in one day on the plantation. And then their friendly bosses would say, oh, sure, fine. You know, take a few days off, go see your girlfriend at the neighborhood plantation. Now, you know, for me, uh, this was particularly obnoxious because I had spent up to that point quite a few years in part studying the neo-Confederate movement. Mm-hmm. So uh, and that involved taking on equally ridiculous claims uh, about the Confederacy and the Civil War, the, the idea that the Civil War had nothing to do with slavery uh, and so on. Uh, and this this fits right into the relationship with, you know, the, the thinking, the thought system, the kind of worldview of uh, Wilkins and Doug Wilson in the sense that they, like Rush Dooney before them, who you mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. uh, had stumbled on the ideas uh, of a man named Robert Dabney. Robert Dabney was the chaplain to Stonewall Jackson, General Stonewall Jackson in the Civil War, Confederate, famous Confederate general, of Mm. course. And Dabney uh, was a rather unpleasant human being uh, to be kind. Uh, He talked about black people. You know, his whole thing was justifying slavery as biblical. Uh, But not only that, he described uh, black people as a poisonous taint, uh, you know, as a race essentially of idiots who needed to be guided by white men or else they would be, you know, living in caves and eating each other and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So Dabney, uh, you know, has been much forgotten by most of us. Uh, but was essentially rediscovered uh, by Rusus John uh, Rushduni, uh, another theologian uh, as well. And he was brought out, Dabney was brought out during the 60s uh, fundamentally uh, as a way of combating or reacting to the civil rights movement. Uh, Rush Dooney uh, was a uh, bitter opponent of the civil rights movements, bitter enthusiast of uh, the Confederacy and how it had uh, supposedly been screwed by these northern invaders who were coming in for no other reason than to destroy Christianity. This was kind of a basic idea about of Dabney's that was adopted by Rush Dooney and ultimately by Doug Wilson and Steve Wilkins. That in the North had been had lost its godliness, had lost its real Christianity, had become a kind of empire of materialistic uh, industrialists uh, who cared nothing for God uh, or godly ways. And so in their mind and their ideology, the South, the deep South became a, quote unquote, the remnant of Christianity, the only real remnant of true Christianity. These were people who were genuinely spiritual, who didn't care for material things, but who were all about, you know, sort of being godly on this earth and so on. So that was the, uh, you know, that that idea uh, for the radical right, the extreme right in the 60s played very well. Uh, you know, so all of this hoopla about the civil rights movement and uh, African-Americans being oppressed uh, was just that hoopla. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and, and by the way, the Civil War, uh, you know, only sought to help black people uh, and that kind of thing. 
So, you know, these are ideas that were revived most importantly by Rus's John Rush Dooney. Uh, and he wrote a famous book called The Institutes of Biblical Law, which is a play essentially on a book by Martin Luther, and in which he made a case for a society uh, that would be ruled by Old Testament law and including some of the punishments you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of it was quite uh, amazing, the things you could be put to death for astrology, for instance, because, you know, <laughs> if you read that astrology column in your local newspaper, by golly, you really ought to die for it. And, <laughs> you know, the dying wasn't going to be pleasant either because, uh, you know, a la the Old Testament, uh, good methods include stoning, uh, you know, dragging behind horses, uh, hanging from trees and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but typically the idea being that it ought to be your neighbors who do it. So wow. that's a little bit of the background. Doug Wilson is another case. Uh, Doug Wilson discovers uh, Rush Dooney in the 1970s, about the time that he takes over a church in Moscow called Christ Church. And at that point, Doug Wilson is becoming more and more and more radical. And at the same time, and this is what I kind of laid out in, in my big article back then in 2004, you know, what Wilson did was build a kind of religious empire in Moscow. This included a press, Canon Press, which published uh, all 31 of Doug Wilson's really wretched little books. It also included uh, something called the Logos School, uh, which is a leading part of the uh, so-called Christian classical schools idea, the idea that we should teach kids you know, Greek and Latin, teach according to the ancient Greek model, but mixed in with this, of course, in the case of Doug Wilson, is the idea that, you know, leading uh, heroic thinkers uh, in, in uh, you know, human history up there with Plato and Aristotle, if not more important, are people like Robert Dabney, the uh, Stonewall Jackson mm -hmm. uh, chaplain we've been discussing, and R.J. Rushdoony. You know, in addition to this, uh, what Doug will, there was more to it. He, so there were uh, uh, some 200 schools now that had been uh, educated along the Logos School model, Logos School being the lower mm -hmm. school that Wilson runs uh, in Moscow. He also created a whole denomination, the Confederation of uh, Reformed Evangelicals, if I remember correctly, CRE. And this essentially acted as a kind of accrediting agency for the various uh, schools as well as churches that Wilson was creating. He created a program to educate young men, particularly in his views, his church views, his theology. And these guys were sent out to plant churches all over the country. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's really, and, and ultimately, and perhaps most importantly, in 1994, if I remember correctly, uh, Wilson created St. Andrew's College. Right. Uh, that camp, the campus of St. Andrew's College is right smack in downtown Moscow now, and is the kind of centerpiece of the whole Wilson empire. What I'm trying to describe, though, um, is that, although Doug Wilson will deny it, that all of this was part of an attempt by Doug Wilson to essentially take over the town of Moscow, hopefully the nearby town of Pullman, Washington, which is also the seat of the University of War, or rather Washington State University. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, all of this was part, was uh, along the idea of a spiritual takeover of these places. Now, you know, we can mm -hmm. talk more about this later, but, you know, Wilson has denied uh, wanting to, in a, uh, you know, sort of quote unquote worldly way, take over these places. But in my opinion, he's simply lying. 
Mm. Uh, you know, he's an out and out Christian reconstructionist, although, again, he claims that Christian reconstruction is dead. But, you know, if you look at his history, exactly. uh, which is a long one of interacting with Christian reconstruction thinkers uh, and what his actual ideas uh, are, they're basically indistinguishable. Mm-hmm. In case, I could go on, but let me. Yeah, we're getting a good picture. When we return from the break, we're going to get into this issue of tracing the influence of Doug Wilson's ideas, starting with the homeschooling movement that he's very much a part of. His ministry is unbelievably influential in a lot of areas, and I think that's why it's important to speak with experts like Mark Potok, because he has studied the influence of Doug Wilson, Christian Reconstructionism, R.J. Rushduni, as we've been talking about. And this is what's so critical to understand, is that these ideas, when they get filtered through one or two generations or even three generations now later, People have never heard the names of Doug Wilson, R.J. Rush Dooney. They don't know what Christian Reconstructionism is, but yet it's influenced so many areas of life, especially not just in America, but even around the world. So I think this is a very important discussion to have. And as I said before, I'm going to be bringing you more episodes in 2021 as we profile not just individual leaders and influencers in the Christian right, but also we're going to be looking at organizations. And I think these are some of the things I'm going to be talking about with Catherine Stewart because she's done so much work, so much research and writing on Christian right organizations. That's an important discussion to have too. So look for that as well. One of the things though that I wish that Mark Potok and I had gotten into, in fact, when I was tweeting about the fact that I'd had this discussion with him in the middle or end of December, I can't remember when it was, it was a few weeks ago now when we actually talked, someone replied on Twitter to my message and said, hey, wait a minute, what about this issue of federal vision? That's another teaching that Doug Wilson has been associated with over the years. And unfortunately, we didn't get into that in this episode, but maybe I can come around again and talk to Mark We can have a discussion or someone else who's an expert on this teaching. That's something that we need to unpack in further detail. So that's a future episode maybe waiting to be done. So we'll see how it goes. But I wanted to mention a couple things really quickly before we get back into the chat with Mark. I wanted to take a minute and say a huge thank you to the newest Patreon supporters of the show. Thank you to Virginia Musselman and Exvangelical Carol and as well Ryan Kerwin Walker. So thank you all for being the latest supporters of Mindship Podcast. I'm in the process of sending out some really cool gifts from North Wales. So if you support the show at a $5 a month level, I'll send you something that you can only get here. If you support the show at a $10 a month level, I'll give you a free Mindship Podcast t-shirt. You also get to be part of our closed Facebook group, and it's in there that we do our closed Mindship Podcast Zoom calls. We just did one a couple of weeks ago with Jared Yates Sexton of the Muckrake Podcast. If you want to take a look at that, I've uploaded that to the Mindship Podcast Facebook page. So drop in there, like the page, and you can check out our chat with J.Y. Sexton. Also then, this Sunday, as this episode is getting released, the 24th of January, we're going to have Rebecca Drumsa dropping in. She's going to be our guest on our second MindShift Zoom call. So I'm really looking forward to talking to her. And then in the month of February, we've got Dean Crosets of the People I Meet podcast, as well as Seven, the rapper from Jacksonville, Florida. And both of these guys were on the show not too long ago. So some really fantastic guests coming up. And then we've got Thomas Hanna. He's a therapist, an ex-evangelical pastor out of Tampa Bay, Florida. We've actually recorded an episode that's going to be coming out in a few weeks. 
and then he's going to be dropping in as our guest in March, and I'll probably have someone else too, because now we're doing two of these calls a month, and I think it's absolutely fantastic. I love it, and it may end up being we have them every week. I don't know, but this is just one of the cool benefits that you get for being a Patreon supporter of the show, so thanks to the newest people in the month of January for supporting my work. All right, so let's get on back into this chat with Mark Potok. As we continue this inaugural episode, looking at profiles of the Christian right, as we continue taking a deep dive into the empire of Doug Wilson. Well, there's a Christian homeschooling emphasis in there as well, isn't there? That's right. And I I really should have mentioned that. That's important because Mm -hmm. for Rush Dooney, you know, the foundational thinker for Doug Wilson, uh, homeschooling was where it's at. So a part of the uh, idea of imposing Old Testament law, you know, on, on uh, civic civil society was the idea that, quote unquote, government schools, public schools were anathema, that these were uh, instructing children to, you know, defy God and accept all kinds of nasty things uh, and so on. And so that real Christians should pull their kids out of public schools and homeschool them. And in fact, Rush Dooney was remarkably uh, successful at that. Uh, the United States, as, as we all know, now has a huge homeschooling group and vastly larger than any uh, uh, first world country, any, any industrialized country in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is essentially thanks to Rus John Rushdoony. That's yeah. uh, where it all came from. So Rushdoony is seen as the father of homeschooling. You know, what's less less known is what we've just discussed, that, you know, the homeschooling movement that Rushdoony pushed is really about this incredibly, in my view, reactionary view of Christianity mm-hmm. uh, and its relationship to the larger society. I've done a lot of stuff on Rushdoony. In fact, I talked to Dr. Michael McVicker You might be familiar with his work. He wrote a very good book on R.J. Rushdoony. Then he goes into great detail on his founding, like you say, of the, well, I wouldn't say founding the Christian homeschooling movement, but as you say, it was hugely influential going all over the country, arguing in court cases, helping to get Christian homeschooling off the ground, as well as just Christian day schools as well. It wasn't just homeschools, was it? It was kind of like, in his view, homeschooling was the preferred option. But if you couldn't do that, you should at least get your kids out of those government schools and into a Christian school. That was the second best thing. So here's Doug Wilson. He's following in those kind of footsteps, isn't he? Yeah. And, you know, one one little aside that maybe is interesting to point out is that these ideas, these ideas of schools, quote unquote, government schools being evil and indoctrinating our children in terrible ideas uh, are shared outside uh, of the explicitly uh, Christian world or even religious world uh, in the sense that, you know, if you look at most militia groups today, most radical right groups, including things like, uh, you know, neo-Nazi groups uh, and Klan groups and so on, they all speak the same. Well, they all speak a rather similar language, the way they talk about schools. You know, the schools, the public schools are all about brainwashing children. we got to bring our kids out of them. And, you know, of course, if you're listening to a neo-Nazi group, they'll say, well, that's because the Jews, quote unquote, are destroying the minds of your children. Uh, You know, and you might get various, uh, you know, shades of how that's viewed. But this idea of the government, I mean, this is what's happened on the American radical right in general. And I'm talking way beyond the religious radical right. Uh, You know, the idea that the number one enemy, yes, a lot of these groups don't like black people, don't like brown people, don't like immigrants, don't like gay people, don't like Muslims and so on. 
but more and more when you listen to these groups, the enemy is the government. Uh, and so that idea coincides very much with the idea of schools being, you know, indoctrination points to destroy mm-hmm. the lives of our children. Which is so strange to me because most of them are pro-Trump, aren't they? Or they were. What's their stance on the government in relation to being Trump supporters, though? That's what I can't figure out in well, my mind. Your hypocrisy, that work? of course, right? I mean, if you've got your man in the office, uh, I suppose, you know, then all of a sudden the government is your friend. So let's mm-hmm. have the Justice Department go after everybody we don't like uh, and so on. Look, I mean, all of this history that we're talking about is filled with contradictions and hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's worth re- remembering that, you know, back in the 1920s at a time before really massive Catholic immigration uh, had occurred in this country, right, when the United States was still very much dominated by white Protestants, Protestants reacted uh, in part to Catholic immigration with horror because Catholics were starting private schools in the United States. Mm-hmm. Though Protestant, and this is this was true right across the board. All the major Protestant groups and thinkers uh, saw Catholics as starting these schools in a bid to undermine, you know, Americanism, in a bid to make. Uh, young Catholic children, slaves of the Pope, right? They would take orders from the Pope and who cared what the president of the United States. And in other words, inculcating them in a kind of secret loyalty, a dual loyalty. So, you know, they were absolutely uh, in favor, all of these Protestant groups and thinkers of public schools and only public schools and sought to make illegal uh, the creation of private religious schools. Uh, now it all looks rather amusing looking back. Yes, it does. And we know there's another element to this story too, the Bible Wars. I remember there's reading about the Cincinnati Bible Wars, and that was all about this thing, isn't it, where Catholic schools wanted to have their own private schools so that they could use their own translation of the Bible, and the Protestants were all up in arms, you know, because they're saying, here's these Catholics coming in, undermining our Bible, our King James, and they wanted the Dewey Reams version, and, you know, they were out riding in the streets, you know, so all this religious stuff, these guys were at each other's throats back in the 19th century. Quite ironic, I think, now, as you say, looking back on it. Yeah, well, uh, you know, all these these histories surrounding the radical right are just, as I tried to say, you know, just rich with hypocrisy and irony. Absolutely. So you mentioned, you said Doug Wilson is a reconstructionist, and I've, I've read a lot of his work on his own blog. He's quite a prolific blogger, isn't he? He writes all the time, posts maybe a couple times a week on his blog. And he said, yeah, he's kind of denied that he's a reconstructionist. But as you say, look at the profile, as it were, of his ministry, as, as you could say, the life's well, life work. Fits that just to interrupt you for one second. I remember, you know, when my article came out, it got a lot of attention at the time because mm-hmm. it was a you know, more or less comprehensive look, you know, going all the way back to Daphne and looking. Nobody had really written, look at what Wilson is doing in, in a Broadway, uh, essentially taking over this town. You know, at the time that article came out and there was a cost a big stir uh, up in the Northwest, a lot of uh, people talking about it. Uh, Wilson came out and hotly denied that he was a reconstructionist uh, to a local reporter up there and went on to make statements. Of course, I don't remember the verbatim anymore, but essentially saying, you know, that's off way, way, way in the future. We're just talking about regenerating human beings kind of in the image of Christ, I guess, uh, for the present. Uh, And Christian reconstruction is dead. 
Well, you know, in fact, Rush Dooney and the other uh, Reconstructionists said exactly the same thing, right? That our takeover of society only will follow the quote unquote regeneration of large numbers of people as, as true Christians, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. they think that is. So, you know, even in his denials, he's essentially sound, sounding the same line uh, as before. And we haven't talked about this yet, but, you know, a very, very core uh, set of ideas uh, that are Reconstructionist ideas, but that are core ideas to Wilson and what many of his books are about are about the family in society and in particular the role of women. And basically, you know, for Wilson, for the other Reconstructionists, family is the most important, the paramount structure, the paramount organization in the society. Government should be almost nothing, right? Government mm-hmm. is there to stop us from, you know, the Russians when they invade uh, and a couple of other things, but, you know, not to provide any kind of sucker to its citizens, no safety net, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all this kind of thing. Uh, so it's essentially an anarchist view of government, uh, you know, an absolutely min- an absolute minimization of government. Yeah, limited and government. Act- and- you know, and, and the family ruled everything. So what does that mean in terms of the actual family? It means, for instance, you know, your daughter can't get married until daddy says it's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, in fa- and then it goes on to some other pretty awful practices, which are described in, you know, biblical writings and so on as well, right? I mean, uh, the, a woman, a girl is raped. Well, the rapist, you know, as long as uh, daddy agrees, the rapist can pay the father a bride price and marry the unfortunate girl and cart her off and he will be, she will be his. And then on and on into the ideas. And, you know, this is not limited to Christian Reconstruction. We see this a lot in kind of headship doctrine and other parts of uh, the Christian church. But, you know, the idea that women should be submissive, that women are only beautiful in their submission to men. You know, and there's that old comparison of the family to uh, the church, right? That, you know, the oh, father's, yeah. it's headship doctrine. The father's the boss. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it goes on to a whole series of really nasty other things. Now, you know, I need to say uh, that Doug Wilson denies that he is a racist. And let me say, we didn't really mention, but Rush Dooney was a straight up racist. Oh, yeah. He uh, was. Absolutely opposed to, quote unquote, race mixing, you know, miscegenation, give it a fancy name. And Wilson tries to kind of act squirrely about that. He's like, well, you know, Scripture doesn't exactly say no, uh, that you cannot have an interracial marriage. But he then goes on to say in one of his books, but any parent ought to be bloody careful uh, about letting their daughter marry out of her race because it will bring with it all of these problems and so on, you know. So it it gets nasty. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and of course, and he will also by the same token say, well, I'm not exactly saying what all the Reconstructionists say, which is we will put to death practicing, quote unquote, gay men. Uh, He says, well, you know, maybe we need to kill them, but maybe we should just exile them instead. So Wilson has this kind of smarmy way of trying to portray himself as just a wee bit more uh, moderate, if that word can be applied to any mm. Reconstructionist, uh, than some of his Reconstructionist uh, brethren. Looking at Rush Dooney, I've done a ton of work on him. I've written a couple of books. I'm looking for some people to publish my work, but I've done a lot of research on Rush Dooney, read his institutes and a bunch of his other books. And it seems like when you see these second and third generation people like Wilson, Doug Phillips from Vision Forum, he'd be another example, trying to institute Rush Dooney's thought. Okay, they 
distance themselves from the more extreme statements that Rush Dooney made. But yet, as you say, in their actual practice, you see the biblical patriarchy, you see that male headship, you see the purity culture, and it does a tremendous amount of damage. I mean, looking at Wilson's empire, from the outside, a lot of people have said, basically, he's running a cult up there in Moscow, Idaho. Would, would you agree with that, that it's essentially a cult, kind of an empire? Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess a cult is a sect we don't like, uh, in a mm. sense. But yeah. I, I mean, he's an unpleasant fellow teaching, really. I mean, to say, you know, they're sort of anti-modern doctrines hardly captures it. I mean, yeah, they're fundamentalist. vicious. And, and let me say, to go back to a point you just made a, a minute or two earlier, that, you know, this is true in the wider Christian world, too. Where there was a period in the 70s and 80s where there was quite a lot of mixing uh, of Christian Reconstruction thinkers, uh, including at the time Rush Dooney, but other people like George Grant and a number of others, with people from more mainstream evangelical Christian organizations, sure. the evangelical world, and also with a great many Republican politicians, including some very well-known ones. So what happened was, you know, as that became more and more public, and as I say, in the 70s and 80s, uh, people started to write about, you know, what is Christian Reconstruction really all about? And, you know, the shocking thing, probably the single line that did Christian Reconstruction the most uh, damage was the idea that incorrigible children, right, who argue with their mommy and daddy a little too mm -hmm. much, should be put to death by stoning. Well, you know, that was a little much for most Americans to take. So what you saw were all of the uh, non-exactly Reconstructionists, the other Christians around them, uh, some of the Republicans and so on, running away as fast as their little legs could carry them. So, you know, people who were Reconstructionists or, or close to that world uh, started to deny that particular part of it or to minimize it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Doug, Doug Wilson, for instance, now says, well, uh, maybe not incorrigible children, but if you curse your parents, definitely the death penalty. It's amazing because I'm sure you've seen this. There was a, a documentary by Bill Moyers. I think it was in 1987 on Christian Reconstructionism. And I've seen some of the clips on YouTube. You can't watch the. I've never seen the whole documentary, but there's a clip where he interviews R.J. Rushdoony. And it's even then, Rushdoony is so weaselly, kind of like your Doug Wilson examples, because he, he kind of confronts him, says, what about this issue of the death penalty for certain things? And Rushdoony's response is, Oh, I wouldn't say that. It's God. It's in the Bible. Right. right. It's not, I don't agree with it personally. Well, it's like Wilson but, talking. But the Bible about, says it. It's like Doug Wilson talking about slavery. Exactly. Well, I don't really think slavery is a great thing, but my God, look at the Old Testament, right? God it's says in, it's it's okay. Uh, exactly. So who am I to say no? And, and, and don't uh, be upset with me. You know, I'm not the one you should be angry with. It's I'm just parroting what God himself says in the Bible. So you can right. even see Parrying that in, the, the in Rush Dooney. The big man. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, let let really me say, in terms of the smarminess and squirreliness of some of these characters, Doug Wilson in particular, one of the things that he's written a lot about, I said he's written a lot about the family, is that pedophilia, that the molestation uh, of young boys and girls is a capital crime. Uh, it should be punished with death. Uh, and so he's had very harsh things to say in some of his writings uh, about people that it, who engage, you know, pedophiles, people who engage in that sort of activity. Mm -hmm. The hypocrisy is that one particular member of his own congregation, of his own St. Andrew's Church and his, uh, I'm sorry, St. Andrew's College and his church was in fact found to have molested several children of other church members. 
What did Wilson do? Report him, to, didn't put him to death, presumably. Mm-hmm. He'd wind up in the penitentiary. Did he report him to the police? No. Did he tell anyone in his congregation uh, about this man? No. And in fact, as a result of Wilson's not saying anything at all about this, essentially suppressing this information, that man went into the homes of several other, uh, several families who were part of the uh, Christ Church congregation and may or may not arguably did molest more children children as a result. Ultimately, Wilson presided at the wedding of that man. Uh, He got him married off in the hope that somehow this was going to uh, cure his pedophilia. So I'm just saying that, you know, the man's a a slippery propagandist. Uh, You Mm -hmm. know, he says absolutely clearly in several places, pedophilia should be punished with death, but not when it's one of his pals. Exactly. What a double standard. That's the thing. Well, this is the question then, I guess. What's the danger of a guy like Doug Wilson? Okay, he's squirreled away up there in Moscow, Idaho. Most people may not have even heard of this guy. Should well, we be concerned about what he's doing and what he, or what he's trying to do? There are 200 Logos-inspired schools uh, around the country teaching middle school and high school kids these ideas. So, you know, when you see some lunatic on television uh, saying that Trump won the election or that you know, whatever it may be. Conspiracy theory. You know, Satan's involved in uh, in faking votes for Biden or whatever it may be. Very often those people come out of that world. So, mm. you know, it's a kind of teaching of ignorance, not to mention uh, a teaching of a kind of really nasty attitude toward other people that is being disseminated very widely. Uh, I mentioned earlier, he has something within his uh, college, New St. Andrews College, uh, which is called, if I remember, the Gray Fellow Fellowship or something like that. In any case, what it is, is it's a program specifically designed to train young pastors who will then go out and plant other churches uh, with these same ideas. So, you know, we don't know how far these ideas have spread, but they seem to have spread rather far. Uh, Mm. I've covered and knew about long before I knew anything about Doug Wilson, uh, a neo-Confederate group uh, based here in Alabama, where I am, called the League of the South. Uh, The League of the South um, is very close to these ideas. League of the South sees uh, Robert Dabney and Rush Dooney as forebears. They are Christian Reconstructionists themselves. And they have, you know, they are openly white supremacists, right? The League of the South talks about how, you know, uh, Black people can expect a race war, and by golly, they're not going to win it. Uh, How this American South was created uh, as white man's land, quote unquote. That's literally what their leader, Michael Hill, said, uh, and so on. So, you know, we see uh, and the League of the South uh, has been the premier organization in the United States pushing false ideas about the Civil War. Ideas, some of which we've mentioned, but there are a whole slew of them, like, for Mm -hmm. instance, the absolutely bogus claim that thousands and thousands and thousands uh, of black slaves at the time of the Civil War fought happily uh, and voluntarily to preserve slavery in the South, fought on the side of the Confederacy. Yeah, because it was so Uh, great for them. Yeah, yeah. How absurdly false that is. But yeah. it's these kinds of ideas. And, you know, I live in Montgomery, Alabama. 
And there are an awful lot of people down here who believe some of these ideas. Uh, You know, the Black Confederate myth uh, is a very widely believed myth. Certainly, uh, you know, I'm sure that there are literally tens of millions of Americans uh, who believe that the Civil War was unrelated to slavery, that that was an ex post facto slur created by Northern historians and, you know, all that kind of idea. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just to state the obvious, Anyone who studied history, any real historian, knows these things are absolutely false. And it's been shown time. I mean, the Civil War was over, was about slavery, period. There's mm-hmm. really no dispute about it. Um, and, you know, yeah. it can be shown in any number of ways. And we can talk about that if that's relevant. But in any case, you know, the original question you asked was how far are these ideas spreading out into society? How dangerous are they? I think very dangerous. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, the idea that we have 72 or 73 million Americans uh, that believe that Donald Trump is a great guy uh, and that he won the election and so on shows how far at least this kind, if not specifically this Mm -hmm. slab of ignorance, this kind of ignorance has has, uh, spread through society and, and made it difficult for people to think clearly. There's another couple aspects to what you just said, too. For example, his homeschooling organization, someone told me on Twitter the other day, and I went and looked at this, that his homeschooling organization, it appears to be fairly mainstream. So, for example, let's say you're a Christian family out of any town USA, and you want to homeschool your kids, and you're looking for curriculum and Christian curriculum, you're going to go with a couple places, maybe Bob Jones University Press or some of these other ones, and then you come across this thing. You don't know anything about Doug Wilson, but it's it's a whole curriculum of your Christian school stuff. So that's that's gone more mainstream, isn't it? So you have potentially Christian homeschool families who are using his stuff, his curriculum. And then the other thing, too, David Barton, I'm sure you're familiar with him, Wall Builders. I read an article on his site, which rang very similar to what Wilson and his, uh, what was it? His, um, Stephen Wilkins. Wilkins. Yeah. What Wilson and Wilkins wrote in their Southern slavery book, this article on the wall builders website was almost the same kind of thing. It was an apology for, or apologetic, I should say for, it wasn't so bad. Slaves didn't have it so bad, you know, and the Bible actually condoned slavery. So I don't really see what the problem was. And, and it's remarkable how close these ideas are to the ideas of the Ku Klux Klan. Right. Exactly. And, and, you know, that it's just said a little differently, you know, for the Klan, it's like, well, you know, what did slavery do? Well, it rescued these barbaric uh, people uh, from their sort of cannibalistic tribes uh, in Africa. And plus, you know, cool, you know, cool little footnote. They were Christianized to boot. So look, look how much, you know, they should be. And so that's literally what you'll hear from the Klan today. It's like black Americans you know, should get down on their knees and, and uh, you know, thank thank white people uh, for enslaving them because, uh, you know, they're so much better off than other black people are, you know, all around the world. In your view now, looking at this issue of like, for example, Black Lives Matter and how that's been vilified, Antifa, Black Lives Matter by Trump and the right, does that thinking play into some of that? Because it's, it's a vilification, not just of a movement, but obviously it has something to do with race as well. Clearly, it must do. Do you see a connection in what you just articulated there? Well, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think that uh, Christian Reconstructionists, Doug Wilson, uh, even Wilkins, have tried to push away, you know, the open white supremacy, at least to make it less visible. 
But, you know, it's their embrace of Dabney uh, is, to me, what shows, you know, how clearly they really are fundamentally racist. You know, uh, I looked at the uh, uh, New St. Andrews College uh, website a couple of days ago. You know, there is no one on it who's not white. Uh, And there are enormous numbers of people there, you know, about a billion, you know, associate pastors and this person and that person, boards of directors. They're universally white. Uh, You know. That school also, by the way, uh, and this I know from report local reports up there and what residents who've been part of the church and left or part of New St. Andrews College and left, you know, the college is hung with pictures of Confederate generals. Right. I was going to celebrate that. the birthday of Robert E. Lee. Right. You know, so it's whole, what, what <laughs> Wilson and Wilkins have really done is they have taken this kind of Christian nationalism, which is a, a, a weak name for Christian reconstruction. Uh, mm. But in any case, this idea of Christians ought to run the world politically or run the country politically and married it to this uh, these ideas about the Confederacy and what the Civil War was all about and so on. And probably even more important than Doug Wilson has been his his pal of many years. Uh, Steve Wilkins. Uh, Wilkins's church in Monroe, Louisiana, actually has an adjoining, you know, an attached institute uh, for the study of, of Robert L. Dabney. So, and, you know, I at one point read <laughs> a really remarkable thing. Steve Wilkins created a curriculum for American high school students, uh, the teaching of American history. And uh, it is a wild tale, which ends, by the way, for Wilkins in 1865. That's it. He doesn't tell you a thing more because after that, it all went to hell, obviously. <laughs> after they lost um, And the it war. is a very bizarre take on American history, which has nothing to do with what actually happened in the United States. Hmm. In any case, uh, you yeah. know, there's been a confluence of these ideas of kind of extreme exactly. Christian nationalism with these particular, with these views. I mean, we start talking about race, you know, these oh, views yeah. that are clearly racial uh, when we talk about uh, neo-Confederate ideology. And, you know, these You're absolutely are. right. You have to, you have to know where these connections are because I was looking on the ATI website, which is the Bill Gothard cult, and they have this huge arm again of homeschooling. Uh, the Advanced Training Institute, and I was scrolling through some of the resources and what they offer parents, again, as homeschooling curriculum resource, and there was two books that jumped out right away. I saw a couple of books by R.J. Rushdoony, and I thought, whoa, what's what's? why are they pushing R.J. Rushdoony American history? So there's an interesting connection, and they had some books by Dabney, and I'm like, okay, I know who Dabney is because I read the articles about the theological war thesis, and I knew Rushdoony's connection, which you've been articulating here, why are these guys appearing on Bill Gothard's homeschooling curriculum website resource list? You know, so it all comes around full circle, doesn't it? So that that's the shows the pervasive influence of this kind of thinking in in Christian homeschooling. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right, and I also think you're right when you say that you know there are undoubtedly a very large numbers of of parents who see themselves as Christians who aren't white supremacists uh, who don't have particularly bizarre ideas. Uh, about American history or Christianity or religion in general, but who nevertheless wind up with these materials, uh, you know, in their homes and then teach them to their kids. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and there's a lot of overlap and we've already discussed this, but, you know, sure. hedge, the idea of headship is much more widely spread in the evangelical world than Christian reconstruction. And there's a similarity. Uh, you know, well, there's really a, a, a straight up overlap. It is. Yeah, it is. Well, this is really interesting. I'm glad that you're able to spend some time talking to us, informing us about, well, Doug Wilson for sure, but 
looking at all these other connections. So thank you so much for your time. Before we go, how can people find you? How can people get a hold of you? What's the best way on social media? I have a uh, website. It's Mark Potok, M-A-R-K-P-O-T-O-K dot net, N-E-T. And that's the best way. Uh, I, there's a contact form. You know, I don't generally get up, give out my email uh, you know, to the broad public simply because, you know, I've had so many threats from Klan groups and neo-Nazi groups and so on mm -hmm. that I, you know, I'd rather not uh, open myself up to a lot of that. But in any case, I'm easy to reach. Uh, I also have a Facebook page. I'm on LinkedIn, so I'm easy to find. But there is a contact form that will come right to me uh, via my own website. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Mark. I really appreciate it. Once again, apologies for any discrepancies we had trying to get this together, but we got it done in the end. So thank you so much. And I will speak to you again. Okay. A real pleasure. And let's do it again.